Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, new episode of Eastman's Elevated. Uh, so this week on the podcast, I recorded one right as I was finishing up my hunting trip in Hawaii. So I've got my two buddies on here, Robin Keen and Sean Kern. Uh, these are just a great group of guys. They showed me so much hospitality over there, and, and, and they're great hunters. They get so much experience being able to hunt year-round, and they're hunting axis deer which are so wily and keen i mean they're they're originated in india so they're used to to running and dodging tigers that hunt them full time that's what they've evolved from um so just a super cool species and we get into that and talk about axis deer um and we have some good laughs throughout the podcast uh ribbing each other and and uh j- just a good couple of guys and and i know you guys will enjoy it oh and i i also start the podcast with one of the most embarrassing stories i have I, I really messed up in Hawaii, and, and I had to just start off with that and, and uh, be honest and let everybody know. So super embarrassing moment, so I start off with that story. But a really good podcast, really fun with these guys. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Swagger Bipods. Um, Swagger is just a great bipod. It's not your standard bipod that goes on your rifle. This one, the legs extend out so you can shoot from a prone position a sitting position or a kneeling position. Uh, one of the biggest and best features of this bipod is that it'll swivel off those bipods. And so if you have a big buck or a big bull walk out, you can continuously track them from left to right or right to left. Um, also, the legs are spring loaded. So you can move them wider or narrower to lower your point of aim or raise your point of aim. And and with the old bipods, you used to have to adjust the legs to get it to be lower to make it work, where this one is really quick to be able to make it wider, lower your point of aim, and get right on that target. Um, also, it's great for shooting uphill and downhill. Um, there's tension on the bipod legs where you can put the legs out in front of you and really sucks the rifle back into your shoulder. Um, just a great product, revolutionary. Um, it, it's the best bipod on the market. And I really want to thank those guys for, for stepping up, sponsoring the podcast, and being part of Eastman's Elevated. So um, give them some love, guys. Um, also over there at the Eastman's office. So we're trying out, uh, a new subscription offer through the podcast. So this is where the podcast brings weight and they know that guys are listening. So I know a lot of you are always already subscribed to the magazine, but it's just a super magazine. You guys, I, I pour my heart and soul into each article I write. I, you know, writings this, this different, this different platform than podcasting where you really get to think about your word choice and what you want to say where a podcast it just all kind of comes out but it's a really cool platform and I really enjoy writing I pour my heart and soul in it I know the other guys at the office do other staff writers we're always searching for new talent we're we're just putting the best western hunting information out there so um, there's a code for it if you go on there uh, on the Eastman's website and you put in elevated 617 um, you'll get a subscription to both magazines for the year for 20 bucks. Um, and if you pay the shipping and handling, they'll also throw in a Primos Timberline elk call for you. Um, so if you if you aren't subscribed to the magazine, um, there's a promo code for you to, to get into it inexpensively and enjoy some of that good writing that we're all putting out there. And with that, um, let's get this thing rolling right away. So me and my couple buddies from Hawaii um, talking about hunting in Hawaii. Here we go. All right, right on. I'm here in Hawaii. I'm here with my buddy Robin, my buddy Sean, um, Robin Keen and Sean Curran. Um, man, these guys had me out for a hunt here in Hawaii and 
I came out with my family. So right now we're sitting on the beach and um, I got these guys talked into a podcast. So um, how are you guys? Oh, doing well. Good. I really enjoyed your family out here. Uh, you, you have a really nice family. Yeah, for sure. Um, a lot of jokes and a lot of laughs and um, no lack of sarcasm. No, good sense of humor. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, man, I mean, these guys had me out. We did uh, fishing and barbecuing. Sean took me spear diving. Um, we've been playing on the beach, but the hunting is absolutely insane out here, you guys. Um, you guys got something special, and all that experience you guys have, it just makes you guys really good hunters. So I learned a lot, but I have such an appreciation for these axis gear that we hunt. Those things are crazy keen. It's um, they, They've got such good instincts and uh, so challenging. Just so fun to hunt. Man, you guys got a special place out here. Yeah, we... Uh definitely are fortunate and um, it's a lot of fun yeah for sure so um so we started the trip i made one of the biggest mistakes i've ever made on a hunt i left my binos in the field one night hunting with sean um sean really helped me out on the hunt and, and stuck with me a lot and and robin did too and you guys took me to some of the best spots out there but the one night i went out and i and uh we got on a good buck. It was um, we called it a management buck, but the thing was like thirty-one inches tall, which is a giant buck. And actually, um, our other buddy ended up harvesting it the next day and put a perfect stock on it. But uh, me and Sean were stalking this buck, and uh, we got in on it. I drew on this buck two or three or four different times. At one point, I think Sean, you were mad at me because I didn't stop the buck. You said you got to stop him. You got to grunt at him. Well, hell, I don't even know what sound an axis makes or how to do it. Can you do me an axis sound? Yeah, no, um, I'm not doing an axis sound on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but they make this, you're the best one at it, like a, woo, or a, oh, God, I'm horrible. Oh, there it is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, and then, that, that sounds like a great, great grandpa access buck. Smoking 12-pack of cigarettes a day. <laughs> yeah, right. For sure. No, that's the perfect sound. And they do it like um, three to five times when they call, and they make this sound. We're in the middle of the rut right now. So anyways, I'm chasing this buck, and uh, one point Sean yells at me because I don't stop the buck as he walks through about 50 yards two different openings where I could have shot him, but I just thought the buck was going to freeze and I was going to get a shot at him, but it never happened. And so anyways, I chase the buck and make another play on him. Well, the buck comes at me. I draw on him again, and then he comes around the corner. And so I drop down to start crawling. And as I'm crawling, I drop my, you know, I don't even want to say how much Zeiss binos and leave him in a cow pie in the middle of the trail <laughs> down there in this small spot. Totally lost my binos, and then me and Sean, he whistles at me and goes, oh, the buck's way up the drainage up there, you know, and so um, I go and meet up with him, and I walk up, and I, I go to reach for my binos, and they're absolutely gone, nowhere to be found, and we look for him that night for, for what, about an hour, Sean? About an hour, an hour and a half or so before it got dark. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure, and yeah. couldn't find him anywhere, right? We walked every trail. Um, you know, tried to think it. God, when I do something like that, I feel like the biggest moron on planet Earth. I but no, you save some deer's lives. You know, <laughs> dropping those bodies at that prime time, last light. You know. Oh boy, isn't that the truth? Sure did. Um, but it, we came back the next day, and um, will you let me borrow a spare pair? And I just wasn't going to let it ruin the experience. It was like whatever. You can you can buy a new pair of binos. I'm only in Hawaii for a short amount of time, so we just kept hunting and, and borrowed your binos. And then Robin found them the next day. Um, 
we went and looked and I told you the story of where they were and you stumbled right upon them and I could see it on your face when you found them and you just stared at them for like uh, uh, 15 seconds or something before I, you I picked them up. I was pretty surprised they were lying there, but yeah, yeah. it was... Yeah, you're lucky they weren't on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky you were you were looking at me. I couldn't fit them in my pocket or my pack. <laughs> right, for sure. Well, and, uh, and uh, other guys have lost gear out here too. You know, uh, there's been a, another pair of binos that's gone missing out here, and a couple rangefinders. And so there's there's quite a bit of gear laying out in the field out there and somewhere. Several thousands of dollars laying in the field for sure. <laughs> well, I'm lucky I didn't. Action comes quick, man. Either you know it gets you right. Up and, and then before you know it, where's my ring? How many have you lost? Two? Not Three? me. Oh, <laughs> you know, I, I, lose, I lose mine when I run after them. And then, you know, they go flying out somewhere. And I'm like, oh, no. So they definitely need to make these rangefinder, you know, cases a lot better and tighter. Because I've lost a couple running after animals. And I'm trying to find where they go or where they end up you know, before I lose sight. And, and then, Whole uh, game of trying to pinpoint them again happens. I try to keep an eye on them as much as I can as possible. Right. Well, and, um, it's just a good lesson that I think we've all lost up in in the field. But just you almost got to tie down all your gear. You know, I start tying down my rangefinder so it's tethered to my bino harness. You know, my uh, GPS. I did lose a GPS a few years ago, so I tether that to myself and have that in my pocket. But yeah, if it isn't tied down, it's probably going to get left in the grass somewhere. And trying to find somewhere, something in your guys' Alaskan grass, or Alaskan grass, your Hawaiian grass is like dang near impossible. You know, that stuff is thick in and through there. Probably like going through a corn patch, cornfield patch or something. I mean, it's just, there's trails in there, but it's so thick. You know, <laughs> this king grass grows thick. But the best part, you know, is when the cows will graze it down and kind of give us some alleyways to to go through and then the grass is waist high and it's really good. Yeah, if, for sure. If it wasn't for the cattle, man, it would be extremely tough. You'd be pushing a lot of gear through these areas. Yep, right. Well, man, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys having me out and taking me out to this spot. Um, the axes were killer. Hunting goats was killer. We did see a few pigs and it was nice that we all got a chance on the buck. Me and Robin put a stock on the buck, uh, buck the last day, and you were able to get a good arrow in that thing. That was pretty sweet. Oh, so much fun to have you there and, and experience that with you and put down a nice buck. Yeah, for sure. So we stocked, um, we did a dual stock, and I kind of held up at the end of it. I was actually trying to get footage of you, and, and you crawled. What was your first shot? Like 30, 40 yards at that thing? 38 yards. Yeah. And then you put a second arrow in them at about 60 or so. But, um, man, that was really cool to be along with that. And just the view is absolutely awesome out here. And so, and if guys do want to hunt out here, the, um, the Robin's property that he hunts is, is outfitted by a Maui hunting safari. So he runs a really good operation. Yes, Rodney runs a really good operation. Rodney and Don, and, uh, yeah, they're, they're good people get on the same animals you got on. You saw the type of animals that are out there and how many there are. It's a lot of fun. Oh, it's crazy. So you judge them all by their height, and that's how you refer to them. And I'm learning so many new terms. I get over here, I can't understand anything you guys are saying because it's all different. Like, um, what what do you guys use for draws? Um, gulches, ravines. No, it wasn't gulches, ravines. You called it something else, like, during the hunt. Like, uh... uh God dang it! Uh, no, it was it was something like. Uh, but then you call like some stuff walls. 
um, the thick. Um, what are some of the paddocks? Is like a hunting area. Uh, paddock is the cattle area. Cattle area. Yeah. Okay. So the different paddocks are where they move the cattle to the graze. Okay, and so that's which area we're in. Yeah. So the, the fence lines of where we are. Okay. There was something else for a drainage or a cool. God, what in the heck was it? But I didn't understand it at first. Tell me to walk down this way or over this or uh, up and through this, and I don't know what the heck you're talking about. We're just, just trying to confuse it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, done deal. Um, but yeah, so awesome. And, and then. Uh, Janus, he killed a couple bucks. He ended up killing that big management buck that we were talking about. And he killed him the with... The Houdini buck. Yeah, the Houdini buck. Man, oh man, that was a tough buck to kill. But uh, you guys got the stock right on him, and he put a good arrow in that thing. Yeah. 14 and a half inch brow time. Oh my gosh. Just a massive brow time on him. Oh, that thing was wild. Yeah, that was a cool buck, man. That thing gave us, me and Brian, to sit a couple times the day before, and and then uh, Robin and Brian went out the next morning, and I asked Brian when they got back that afternoon, I was like, hey, did you see that management buck? And he said, no, we didn't see it. So uh, we packed up and headed back down there with, with me, Brian, and Janus yeah, later on that afternoon. And me and Brian get on this uh, this nice buck, and you know we're playing cat and mouse and sliding down and trying to get close while they're you know, bedding down in the hot sun, and all lethargic, and then all of a sudden... You know, James, uh, no, the buck you're on beds down again. Same thing that happened the day before. And the day before, we we had to sit on this buck for three hours before it stood up. Right? In the intense Hawaiian yeah. sun. Yeah. Oh, man, that was like, hot. I had to fall back to reload on water. Like, I practically walked back to the truck to grab some more water because I was slurping that stuff so fast in the humidity. And um, and then Brian just, just hung tight and... Had you know a little you know, bow hunting incident, you know, it's, you know, happens a lot. Bow hunting, you know, oh, it felt you nick the tree or yeah, it felt like back. sitting on a like on a muley buck. But yeah, we had, I just wanted a buck so bad. You get hunting something and you start learning about the species and you get this appreci appreciation for them. And I had killed quite a uh, well, we killed three does or whatever, which was great. That was so much fun to get my first axis deer down. But you really wanted one of these bucks, and so. Yeah, we um, we bedded this buck the, the, that day, and we sat on him for three hours in the intense sun, waiting for him to stand up. In fact, I drew on him right before he bedded down. He gave me an angle, and I drew, and he bedded down. So three hours we waited. At one point, you know, you really pay good attention to him, and you're watching him all the time, but pretty soon after an hour and a half, two hours, he's still there bedded. You kind of lay back, and then you kind of poke your head up and check, and lay back. And at one point, you got up and go, oh, he's up on his feet. He's up on his feet. And I got up there, and I got my bow up, and he just turned right around and then laid back down. You yeah. Know, no chance yeah. at him. Yeah. yeah. When the sun, you know, moves direction and, you know, starts beaming on a part of his body, sure enough, it, it, it'll get up eventually. It doesn't want that hot sun on him. Mm -hmm. And then he'll relocate, you know, five feet away, which pretty much is, is all he moved, but wherever, you know, and then he just sat right back down in the shade again. It was another hour and a half later. Well, and, and I had and so much confidence up. in the shot. I think he was sitting at 53, which is outside range for me, but a makeable shot. I knew it was a dead deer, but we did have a right to left wind. And the buck stood up, and then he had his shoulder and his neck and his head were all blocked by the tree, but I could see his vitals clean as day. And so I aim, 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 pull, the shot breaks. 
you know, I don't know if the wind drifted it or if I just tried to tuck it too tight to that tree. But yeah, I totally nicked that tree, blew the shot, and that was a gorgeous 30-inch trophy buck yeah. that, that then ran off that we weren't able to get. The wind get. probably drifted the arrow a little bit, you know. It was a good 20-mile-an-hour, you know, little crosswind. Well, that's what I want to blame it on, for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it wasn't me, it was the wind. But yeah, I missed that one. And then and then we got redemption the next day. We found another buck, and a and, uh, really nice, decent buck. There was a bunch of axis in there and able to sneak down in and get into range of that thing. And same scenario, same I drew thing. back on him, and that buck bedded down again. Yeah, unbelievable. It's crazy how that happens, bow hunting. I mean, it's literally, all you need is two more seconds, and then all of a sudden they bed down, or they take a step, or something happens, you know. It's just, all I needed was two more seconds. You know, it's just amazing, you know, and that's what really, you know, makes bull hunting unique and really grabs you and, and thrill of it. You know, I love it. Oh man, you're so right. It's like they have a sixth sense. Like you, you're right. You just yeah. need them to take one more step, stop for just a second. You just need it to go your way a little bit. But it finally did, and this buck stood up. I thought I was going to have another three hours sitting. That, that yeah. sun was so, so, so intense. So the buck beds down, and I'm like, Brian's, you know, 20 yards in front of me. So I'm. I'm letting Brian, you know, the deer assassin over here, you know, once we get within 50, 60 yards, I'm letting him do his own thing. I'm like, oh, right. you're gonna, you're getting busted. I'm not going to be a part of you getting busted. <laughs> by these deer. You know I, mean? I did the same thing to Robin. I was like, man, if you're getting busted, I don't want the blame. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the buck bedded down. And I was just, oh, my God, here we go again. And that was the same thing as yesterday. So I ended up backing out and calling my buddy. Um, on the phone, and he was um, not far from us, a few hundred yards, and uh, he was on that management bus, you know, kind of where the story started. Yep. He was on that same management bus, so I said, okay, you know, I'm coming, and he ended up meeting with me, and, and he ended up stalking the management bus, and he put a great stock on it, it was bedded down to, and he ended up shooting it in bed at like 30 yards, and just just smoked it, I got it on GoPro, and passing at 20 yards, you know, just perfect arrow, and piled up maybe 50 yards later but man what an old buck that management buck was he was a smart smart old guy man he's uh yeah huge uh eye guards and really unique buck but you know it's the kind of buck you want to take out real old buck and, mm -hmm. you know his horns were pretty not symmetrical you know, mm -hmm. you, you, know you really don't want those bucks breeding and making all different kind shapes of bucks you know we really want to get you know we want to keep those good genetics going on so you know, we try to take out the management box if we can. And, um, yeah, so then uh, you know I text Brian, you know, Dana, Dana smoked that management buck, and, and then uh, you know he responded by, you know, I, I just smoked that buck that you were on. So it was yeah. Janus, that guy, um, he's a really good hunter. I mean, all you guys are. With all your experience out here, it really makes you guys good bow hunters with great instincts, great stalking skills, but. Janus seems to have a lot of luck that follows him. Like yeah. Um, yeah. he is a lucky guy. Like he he showed up for one day and he really helped me out. He brought my family out to the ranch house out there, and all you guys did. But he helped me out. But man, did he bring the luck with him. So he got that buck. He ended up. He was out there for one day. He shot two bucks. With I had to hunt the whole time to even get a chance at one buck. Oh, he's, and he's the luckiest hunter you'll ever meet. Right? <laughs> he'll he'll uh, three weeks ago. He's out by himself hunting 
and draws on a buck with 15 yards, and his trigger locks up, and he can't get it to release. Oh, no. Just pulling on it, pulling on it. Finally, it releases, shoots his arrow 40 yards from where the buck was. Buck wakes <laughs> up, embedded down, wakes up, jumps up, runs in the bush, knocks another arrow, figures out his release, looks, and the, he can see spots in the, in the bushes. And so he tries to put one through a dinner plate size hole in the in the bush and whacks the thing right in the jugular. It goes ten yards and piles up. I mean, that, that's the kind of luck that Janus has. Like that guy'll shoot yeah. something in the in the butt and hit the femoral artery and it'll bleed out. <laughs> he does well luck just falls him, but he's he's such a good guy. I'd like to think it's like a positive karma no, cloud that just follows him around. But yeah, he came out and then we, we killed those three bucks in a matter of a day or whatever. So yeah, he definitely brought the good luck with him, but such a great guy and a good hunter, but yeah, he well and then he killed another doe or something, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, so then I guess while we were on your buck, um, I gave him my GoPro I had and said, here, you know, you can take this if you want to get some video. So I guess he was, uh, you know, in this kind of same area that management buck was, and he's seen some does, um, but the grass was a little high. So there's a Kiave tree, which is one of the trees we have on the island, and he ended up climbing up the tree about 20 feet high or so. Like, I don't know how, you know, just... Just something the guy would do, you know, he's part monkey or something. I don't know. <laughs> he's crazy Hawaiian. He's crazy Hawaiian, you know, and gets it on GoPro climbing up the tree and, and smokes his dough at like 20 yards or something from the tree. He said the hardest part was trying to balance while he was drawing back. You know? <laughs> so wild. Um, so. So, yeah, we got some good venison. Robin, you yeah. killed a couple deer out there along with that buck. And so, yeah, we. We butchered up like six deer yesterday, but just yeah, uh, my my feet hurt today just from standing in the kitchen that long. Oh man, man that was a session for sure. And, yeah. and these three guys, they they hunt out here in Hawaii, but they and along with some of your other buddies. But it seems like you guys do your adventures together. So you guys are traveling back to the states. You guys just did a trip to New Zealand that just sounds epic. I love your pictures of New Zealand. That looked like a, like a like a real true western adventure that was awesome yeah we called it a once in a lifetime trip that's what we told our wives and, and girlfriends and uh pretty sure it's a once a year trip now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah every new trip's a once in a lifetime yeah, yeah. trip right <laughs> yeah for sure well that's what it's all about too yeah. is just getting out and adventure and experiencing experiencing something new and and that's what i had this time i mean it was just some place that i've never hunted country i've never hunted animals i've never seen just a totally new challenge so it was really cool to learn from you guys and learn the ropes and and be able to hunt these things that i really had a good time yeah it was great strategizing with you brian i mean you, know, you got a lot of uh, knowledge and input and you know, i learned a lot off of you too so you know, it was great you know putting together some strategic plans on these and you know i've come up with an idea and then you'd come up with an idea and we'd just figure out which one was better, you know, and we'd go your way sometimes, we'd go my way sometimes. It was just, it was epic. Yeah, it, well, it's nice to put ego aside when you're trying to figure out strategy to just really listen and, and figure out the best play for it and try to make sense of it. You go, I'll go, go this way or I'll say, I'll go this way. And you go, no, you can't do that. That, that wind's going to be wrong when we get over there. And we were really playing winds that, that lower paddocks we had we had really good wind in the in most parts of it, but some of that upper stuff and, and up where we hunted oh. up in the up in that that high mountain spot up there, 
Um, the winds were really finicky up it, there. It gets really swirly up top. And yeah, I mean, we have to draw and shoot right away when you get on an animal. Cause you don't know how long you have. Yeah, well, and it just... I know thermals and directionals real well and, and uh, try to pay attention to the winds as much as I can, but up in that country, there was just no controlling it. It just it blows and it swirls around up in there a bunch. Yeah, 10,000-foot mountain, you know, surrounded by the Pacific winds. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it's amazing. You, you could have a constant wind, and if it ramps up another five miles an hour, it'll be coming from the complete opposite direction. Pretty mind-boggling how it does that. Oh, that's so wild. Yeah, yeah so and storms roll in and affect it. And, and yeah, yeah, the whole deal. And we had a good time hunting goats mm-hmm. up there the first day. Robin, you you introduced, like, we just drove up the road and you spotted a nice buck down below and sent me for that thing down there. And, and that's where I really got boots to ground and got to kind of, got a feel for what we were going to be doing. And I tried to wander into the thick stuff and started jumping deer and messing things up and went, this isn't going to work, you know. Throw you, you to the wolves. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> Throw me to the wolves. But um, well, you got to hunt them when they're in those openings, at least up in that country. Yeah. Some of that thick stuff. You now, me and Sean hunted uh, some of that thicker stuff that you could hunt through, and there wasn't as much underbrush, and that was good. But um, up top up there, boy, you can't even fight your way through that stuff. That stuff is thick. Yeah, it's not fun to hike through, that's for sure. What do, what do you think about the lava rock under the grass? Oh, my God. I have never walked such gnarly country. Now, you guys warned me that it was gnarly, and, and I think you even had somebody busted an ankle, and then you about killed somebody that went to the hospital up there, right? It's, it's been a, a rough year on people up in, in that area and that terrain. Oh, sure. my gosh. That lava rock is like nothing I've ever seen. So it is. It's lava rock with all these jagged edges. And it's underneath the grass. I mean, I've walked tundra. I've walked steep country, shale shoots. It doesn't hold a candle to the wind. To what you guys are out in that lava rock. That yeah. stuff is gnarly. I, I warned you, don't show up in tennis shoes because I'm not taking you out. <laughs> oh, you are right. You need, like, you need like Gumby ankles or, you know, Gumby legs to just kind of, you, you can't try to hold a stiff leg walking through that stuff. Like you have to have your, your ankles kind of, flex and roll you know as you're walking through that stuff because if not you're gonna you're gonna snap something man that's the truth and never jump off of something with all your weight or never really overcommit to a step like you have to really kind of feel your way through it or you will you twist an ankle in that country and be stranded in the you know that's uh and boy they could barely helicopter you out of that stuff yeah yeah making friends with the pigs up there (laughs) boy you would too (laughs) sean's right every step you're anticipating you're gonna roll your ankle as long as you're walking that way, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. That's true, though. And and you killed, um, well, you killed a goat, and I killed a goat that first day. Or you killed two goats up there. And, and really, out here and out where we're hunting, it's different than out west where you really have to control the population. So where we're hunting is a ranch. And, and these deer just thrive in this country, and the goats thrive in this country and they're actually competing for the same food source. And, and I thought, you know, I asked you, Rob, and I said, compete for the th- same food source. What do you mean? There's grass everywhere, you know, and it's, it's taller than my head. But you said that the that, that different grasses, like, how did you put it to well, me? You have guinea grass, you have sour grass, and, and the deer eat the same grass that the cows eat. And mm-hmm. not only that, they come and they top the good grass. I see. And, and the goats do, too. And, and if you... If you just had a goat or a deer in a pasture, they, they would mow it down. They, they're not just there to 
to eat what they want. They just keep eating, and they'll take everything. And, and, and they eat the choice grass, right? And that's the same the, choice grass that the cattle need to be eating. Exactly. And, okay. And, and so you're competing with what the cattle need to eat. And mm -hmm. so you do need to control the populations, not only for the cattle, but from a hunting standpoint, you need to control the populations from habitat, and you start getting bucks that you need to take out because the genetics start getting messed up the more animals you have and the more competing they are with with the food source well and they, they're not going to keep as healthy exactly. like uh, they, you could get disease because it gets overpopulated uh, because they do thrive so much in that country and so you really need to control the populations out here so um every time i saw doe they told me to shoot i go Oh, good. I, I just got one back there, and they say, "No, we need the meat. You gotta kill." You know, those those axis deer do eat so good. You guys, uh, we survived on axis deer while I was out here. It was a bit of man camp, but um, they do eat so good. So you really need to control the populations out here. And so when we were up there, you actually killed two goats that day, and you were just into them up there. In oh. and, and this country, like I can't believe. You know, not only is it tough to hike around. I've never drank so much water in my entire life. The one day, and this is a bit crude, but I didn't take a pee for the entire day, <laughs> not from start to finish, because I I sweat so much out here, and it's your guys' hot season right now. But, you know, I, I packed probably double the water I normally do out west, and, and we ran out of water. We I, both ran out yeah. of water that day, and that was only a half day of hunting. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. you really got to be prepared out here. Or you can get yourself in a lot of trouble. Sure, when you're getting sure. dehydrated and you're yeah. that hot, that exhaustion starts to set in. And, and I mean, we were hunting really hard and going for it that first day. Like I say, you killed two goats. You were running all over, chasing goats and <laughs> chasing deer and everything else. And then we finally met up. I had, I had got my goat, um, a really nice goat I was just super psyched with, yeah. and then met up with you, and we took some pictures and then kind of hunted our way out. Um and, and and that was just a, a really cool experience up in that country. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's it's great to take guys out and, and kind of get their nerves settled on goats because you can get on them and, and hunt them hard and shoot as many as you want. Just have a good time. Yeah, a, a good warm-up for the Axis bucks for and, sure. And, and then you got to use your stocking skills on the Axis here. Oh, man, do you ever. You don't get away with anything. Their eyesight... Uh, their smell, you know, and I think they, you know, they get a, a bad rap, like in Texas, and I hate to throw Texas under the, under the bus or whatever, and, and hunting true, things with a, with a rifle and with a bow is totally different, and, and, and like antelope, you know, not that they're easy with a rifle, but a lot of guys kill them with a rifle, but you go out with a bow and try to kill them, and they're really tough to get on, and you have this new respect for them, and those axes deer with a bow, are extremely difficult to kill. I couldn't believe how challenging they were. No, any any axis deer with a bow, in my opinion, is a trophy. It doesn't matter how big it is, how small it is. It's a trophy. I mean, it's it's success. I mean, you. I mean, you shoot four. Yeah, yeah. I four trophies this trip. Boy, it sure was four trophies. Yeah, no, absolutely awesome. Yeah, and even the does are so wily. But um, you know, I I really like your guys's stalking skill, as you can tell. You know, you guys coming up over ridge lines, you're just never exposing yourself, never skylining. And then, you know, they're like any other animal where they really pick up on movement. You just can't move. you got to be able to freeze. But like I said before, you guys are such good hunters because you get so much of that experience. So that's where you guys are going to do really good out west. And you have done good already, but 
going to continue to hunt the West. I, I know you guys are... Uh, we're addicted. Yep. No doubt. We're addicted. For sure. Sick for it. <laughs> <laughs> totally sick for it. Yep. You guys are coming out to hunt elk and mule deer this year out West. And, and uh, so that'll be a good trip. And, and uh, yeah, no, you guys are going to do really well out there. That experience is the best teacher out there. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's those times you put your guard down. You know, you're thinking, oh, there's no deer around here. And then, you know, the deer is shooting left and right, you know. That's you know, good. Oh I God. heard that bark quite a few you, times. You know what I mean? You're just, <laughs> you're just like, you know, you put in all that, you know, hours of stalking real slow and trying to find them. And as soon as you let your guard down, you know, that's when you, know, you run into that those deer, you know. And what was I thinking, right? So. That's why it really teaches you to, to pretty much, you know, be patient, walk slow as possible. And every new little area, even the littlest area, just creep up to make sure you glass it good, make sure there's nothing around, you know, and then, and then go through it and go to the next vantage, you know, and then glass that area. But, yeah, it's the skyline stuff, for sure, you want to sneak up as slow as possible and, you know, barely pop your head up and... What I notice a lot with these deer that we have over here, if, if they spot you moving and you just freeze and you keep your eye on them and you're kind of playing, you know, eye to eye thing, though they see movement, but if you drop down real fast, they're gone. If you kind of just stick to your position and wait till they kind of calm down, you know, it might take five minutes, ten minutes, if you just keep staring at them. You know, you use your camel, you know, have faith in your camouflage, and, you know, um, they will let their guard back down and be like, oh, I thought I saw something, but it's not moving, so maybe it's a tree or, you know, whatever. You know, that has really helped me um, as far as not getting busted by the deer. Dude, that's such a good good tip. Like, um, hunting out west, a lot of guys have the tendency, and even me in my, in my younger days of hunting, like, you would, you would go out, and the minute you'd see something you drop to a knee and drop down and like drop to hide. But that movement gives you away and spooks those animals. If you see an animal when you're hiking out there, the best thing you can do is absolutely freeze until they take your eyes off you. And that's what those axis deer have taught you guys. And so you don't walk up and see a deer and crouch down. So I think that's a really good tip because I think a lot of guys do that. As I used to do that, you know, maybe in my, my earlier years of rifle hunting or maybe even bow hunting, you're walking down the trail and you see an elk in front of you and your first instinct is to drop down low and get down so you're not a big silhouette. But you're right. Trust in your camo and freeze. Animals see movement, uh, you know, far more than they see anything else. So that is the, the most important factor. That's a good tip. Yeah, we were hunting in New Zealand and uh, we got on this just magnificent stag and he kind of had us pinned and the guide was in front and he was already dropped down but he's telling me get down get down and i was just looking at him eye to eye you know 100 150 yards away but he knew he'd seen us and i was just looking at the guy like i will i will and sure enough when that stag kind of calmed down and looked the other way then i really slowly i mean slowly could possibly get down got down without you know alarming him anymore and sure enough that stag stayed there and snuck up and shot him and got just a magnificent 7x6 free range stag so 
Oh, dude, yeah, good for you. Good. Yeah, you good. guys hunted tar, fallow yeah, deer. It was awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was an unbelievable trip. Yeah, two weeks out there. So, so you know, Sean's talking about the guides, and, and I don't want to rag on guides too much, but it was interesting hunting with guides that guide rifle hunters all the time versus guiding bow hunters. And, and how we have to creep in so much closer and, and what we want to do and what we need to do versus what they think we should do. And and you never want to guide your guide, but I wanted to guide my guide. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it was an interesting experience from that standpoint because I've never been in that situation before. I've never hunted with a guide before. It was my uh-huh. first time. I'm, I'm usually either taking guys out or uh, doing my charity hunt that I do every year, guiding guys, new hunters, things like that, but never had the opportunity to be with a guide. And being with a guide that uh, doesn't hunt with a bow, it's, it's a different experience. He's anti-bow. Yeah, and he was an- <laughs> well, he's anti-bow because he has to work that much harder. <laughs> You're so right. Well, and being a bow hunter gives you such a better understanding of stalking and, and uh, it'll make you a better rifle hunter in the oh, end. But sure. But bow hunting, I mean, that's the essence of hunting. When you get to stalk, you know, in those close ranges, you get to learn what you can and can't get away with. And, and so your charity hunt, this is a really cool deal you do. So, so out there at, at the property that you, that you own, you do a charity hunt every year. And so you auction it off. Um, like the, the last charity went towards your kid's school. So guys can come out here and hunt with you. They can bid on that auction. And this year I'm going to also post it on my social media when you do it. Um, but, but you, you do a charity hunt where you auction off a hunt where guys can come out with a bow and hunt with you, right? Uh, bow or rifle. We, um, we'll take anybody out. Yeah. So, uh, basically about seven years ago, I had an idea. I wanted to give back to the community and I love hunting and, decided I was going to auction off a, a hunt where I was the guide and wanted to piece together a package that somebody wanted to actually do. Nobody knew about Hawaii at the time and the hunting we had out here. And uh, I partnered up with a celebrity chef, uh, Brian Etheridge. Oh, great guy. We hung out with him the one guy, night. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable chef. And um, it, we, we started the, the charity hunt. And we're on, I think, the seventh year of doing it. A couple years we did did it twice, raised over $40,000 for local charities here on the island. Man, good for you. Uh, That's awesome. Sean, Sean guides with us now. Janus guides with us now. Helps out. Um, this past year, it was two bow hunters, and they had great success. And uh, two, two guys, uh, Marines from Oahu, that came over, and we sold it, uh, we sell it on eBay every year. They, they did a buy it now, but usually it auctions on eBay. Okay. And I unselfishly put myself in as a guide. <laughs> the yeah, sure, to come. sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, you guys we'll, know we'll, Axis Steer, but yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have 10 guys and two guys buy it. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's so awesome. Uh, no, that's, uh, what a, what a great deal for guys to be able to come out and experience that something totally new that they're not used to. So that's really cool. We'll, we'll promote it this year when it comes oh, out I, again. I appreciate it. Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been fun for me and, and I enjoy it every year and yeah, it takes time away from the family and, and my time hunting too, but mm-hmm. it, it's fun meeting new people and no matter who you're hunting with, you're going to learn something from them. It could be a brand new hunter and they can teach you something. It could be the most experienced hunter ever, and he's going to teach you something. New. And hopefully you teach them something along the way as well. But um, it, 
I, I love taking new guys out hunting with you this this last couple days and um, the charity hunt we did this year. I, I just enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're so right. You can learn something from everybody when you go out if you just pay attention and put your ego aside too. You know, but exactly. you you take a bunch of different guys and you let me stay here at your house and my family stay here and and then took me up. It was so generous. Um, all you guys have been so generous to me out here. I've just had so much fun. And then, and then you've also started your, you're in the works and hopefully by the time we release this podcast, um, it'll be up and running, but you, uh, you started a nonprofit out here too, to help control the populations and donate oh, meat, man. right? Yeah. I'm going to talk about that. Um, yeah, we're, we're three and a half years into, uh, starting a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, I've, I've sat on the Maui Food Bank board for the last five years, and I'm going oh, wow. to term out uh, at the end of this year. And, you know, Maui has hungry people. They're, they're, everywhere does. There's, there's homeless, and there's always a problem. Most states have Hunters for the Hung- Hungry um, programs set up. Yes. Hawaii does not. And um, we have such an abundance of deer, as you've seen, mm-hmm. that need to be controlled. And a lot of the big ranches, golf courses, everything else, bring in eradicators that the meat just gets wasted. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll dig a hole and dump a bunch of deer carcasses in it. And I, I saw this problem, and I saw the problem where we get to hunt, and that the, the deer are competing with the cattle, and we do need to bring the numbers down. And um, wanted to figure out a way to get that meat to the homeless people, or not even the homeless people, just the hungry people on this island and feed them. And it's such a healthy, healthy animal, much better than anything you could buy. The food bank can purchase. I mean, they have buying power for meat, but it's it's the healthiest thing around. Um, I, I hit a lot of roadblocks along the way, uh, a lot of bureaucracy involved, but I think we're in the final stages of um, getting it off the ground. and. We'll be hopefully donating meat to the food bank in the next couple of weeks. Man, that is awesome. Yeah, good for you. A lot of hard work to get that put together to where you can donate some of that meat, control your populations. But man, good for you. You've worked really hard at it. No, I appreciate that. Yep, for sure. So um, yeah, you've got that off the ground. So yeah, a lot of good things in the works. And you guys, um, you guys love your venison and love your food over here like uh, you guys got, I picked up a lot of good recipes. I just keep picking Sean's brain and, and, and your Robin, your brain on your recipes. You're sending me home with some good fish. You've got connections all over the island. It seems like everywhere we go, even in the big city, people know you. But, but you traded some of our venison for some fish that we had tonight that was just awesome. And then you're going to send me home with a slab as long as I can get it by TSA. Ah, I think you'll be fine and hopefully you can enjoy it and impress some people in Montana. Oh, I'd say yeah, we don't get much <laughs> of that. Fresh fish that's never been frozen. Yeah, that's unreal. It ate so good. You probably can't even get Ono there. Uh, ono is a, a Wahoo. Uh, probably can't even get it in No, Montana. there is no way we could ever get it in Montana. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, that's um such a such a great eating fish too. We're just so fortunate to to be able to take a slap home that you got that for us. But um, yeah, such good eating. Just white flaky meat. Um, and then you gave me a couple recipes to cook it. Uh, and and like you say, some of your venison recipes um, are just awesome. Sean, your your jerky 
I think I, I lived off your jerky as well as venison oh, this God. week. And you Isn't just kept... it better than slapping a sandwich together or P and J? You know, you can just grab some venison, some, some venison jerky, and put it in a Ziploc and take it hunting. And like that's all the protein you need for that day of hunting. Like oh, it so know, is. A couple candy bars and you're set. Oh well, and you're so humble about how good it is. But you have one of the best jerky recipes I've ever tried. That teriyaki jerky you have, yeah, I think I could live off that full time. Yeah, I think we did in man camp. Right? We didn't bring much food <laughs> other than jerky. And <laughs> we did. We didn't. Uh, we weren't in it for the uh, for the living out there and the eating. We just brought the the necessary items to live and survive out there. And I I think me and you, Robin, we were out there the longest, but we didn't bring much out there, did we? I thought we were going to run out of water. Oh, man, I thought so, too. Yeah, we had to bring all our own water, and thank goodness Sean brought us another five gallons, or we would have. Would have been drinking out of your cattle trough out there. (laughs) You're on your own there. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, and that place does just drain you water. I just couldn't believe how much I sweated out there. Um, I mean, I, I, I went through triple. I couldn't pack enough water. Every day I kept adding another bottle to my pack, and I'd still end up still being thirsty when I came back that night. You it's know? unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. It's humid. So you just yeah. sweat it all out. Yeah, and it doesn't help, you know, sitting on a buck in the baking sun for three and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, like, what are we? We dropped our packs like, I don't know, about 80 yards away when we were doing that final stock in. And after two hours of non jerky, you know, I had it in my pocket and stuff, I was like, I need to get some water. I'm backing out of here. Yeah, well, and that was a perfect scenario where we couldn't get any closer to those deer, but we had that rock ridge right there that we were kind of hidden behind. And so, yeah, you looked at me after a couple hours and said, I'm going back and getting the packs. And I said, yeah, good, for sure. Yeah, do it. And we had a that lower portion had such a good wind um, that it was blocking a lot of our noise and that. So you crept down, crept back, got us some water so we could survive another hour so we could... So well, I, I didn't, I didn't want pot. you to pass out, you know, before you <laughs> took the shot. <laughs> it was touch and go for a while there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and then you guys got some some good pigs on the ranch. We only saw, I well, we saw one today trying to get your buck that was a nice pig, yeah. but we were tracking your buck, and I, I think I still would have shot it if it would have froze a little bit longer <laughs> on that ridge. And then we saw a little guy like um Mom must have left him behind or stashed him in the brush, but I think I could have caught that one and brought him home. We should have, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he ran off, and it was just this little baby pig, and he tried to run away from us. And then he was so fat, he ran up the hill and then rolled over back on his back and rolled back down towards us. He couldn't even get yeah, away. Upside-down turtle for a while. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> but um, Yeah, it was funny because I, I didn't know Brian's never shot a pig. Yeah, so I was looking for him. When, I, I didn't see any You know, pigs. when we are in the... You know, in the stalking mode on these deer, we've seen a pig, you know, it's about 30 pounds or 40 pounds maybe, max. And it's like, there's a pig right there, there's a pig right there, and he's 30, 40 yards away. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, <laughs> well, let's keep moving towards the deer. And he's like, oh, there's a pig, there's a pig. I didn't know you never shot one, so I would have let you shoot him. But, but I was like, oh, it's just a small pig, you know, let's just keep moving on towards the deer. And uh, then later on that day, I found out you never shot a pig. So well, it's going to have to come back bad, just to shoot a pig. Oh, yeah. Mandatory, I think. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we had uh, we, we saw those pigs, but we were on a good buck. You were doing a rattle sequence. Um, you actually rattled some in 
earlier this week or right before I showed up, the first ones you've kind of rattled in and yeah. so something yeah. you're... Yeah. Those are our secrets. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we did a couple sequences. We we never got any to bite where we were at, but um, you yeah. called one in I've, earlier this I've week. I've never was, rattled any of our deer in before. I've done it four or five times and then it finally worked this other day that, that I did it right before you came in and I was just so ecstatic. I ended up bringing my, my rattling horns, you know, while we were in the field. And I swear, it was like every hundred yards, I'm grabbing them out of my pack. <laughs> you know, trying to get something fired up. Cause, man, when you got those big bucks coming in at 10 yards and you just spot them out the corner of your eye, it, it really makes your heart skip a beat. Like, you're like, oh, oh you, know, you didn't see it coming. And you're like, wow, huge buck right there from rattling in your horns. I've never had that happen. So it's it just another added um just awesome experience you know mm-hmm. in, 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 yeah another facet to your game and, and and you did um you did get them to call a little bit too you'd rattle and then we'd hear them call because they are in such rut right now yeah. and then we'd kind of go after that rutting buck and and uh with when we saw those pigs we had heard a good one down below us i actually thought you were going to get it to come in mm-hmm. and then we dropped down and saw that thing and a, a lot of the challenges out here too you just can't get a shot because the grass or the brush is so tall and so you can see just these antlers moving through and you want nothing more to kill that buck but he just he isn't exposed enough There's where no you can get him alleyways shot. that's what you call the drainages <laughs> you call them alleyways yeah i never heard that before i find an alleyway no an alleyway that's what you'd call him you go oh just head down that alleyway and i look back and go where do you want me to go <laughs> but yeah it makes sense now that i'm out here i'm starting to learn the lingo so um but yeah uh so we had got on that good buckle and we got in such thick stuff and, and you guys told me that there's some stuff that you can't even hunt. And me and Sean, we chased these deer into this thick stuff at this one point, And there was deer all over in this alleyway. But all we could do is just jump them. And you had a, a deer about step on your foot. They were just, all, you can just hear them through the grass like you're in Jurassic Park. And like it's a, a velociraptor just moving through the grass everywhere. You can't even see them. But they started spooking everywhere. It was really exciting. But there was no shot opportunities. I, I told in that Brian, we, we don't even need to waste our time here. Let's just, let's just plow through this stuff and get back to the truck and go somewhere else. Because it was so thick. I mean, overhead high in some areas. We've, uh, we've had a lot of rain the last few years. This is a wet year. How's it help the animals, yeah. though? I mean, it, the animals are... A lot of bucks are living. Yeah. Like, yeah. The last yeah. couple of years, yeah. you know, with this tall grass. Poachers and, uh, and hunters are having a tough time. Everybody's mm-hmm. having a hard time. Yeah. And so you guys have a big problem with poaching out here. And we do. So I really had to talk you into doing the podcast as you guys don't want to promote where we're at or where we're hunting too much in, in Hawaii or whatever, but... Um, yeah, you guys have a big problem with poachers. Like there isn't much recourse for action here if somebody does shoot a deer on your land, and there a lot of guys are sneaking over fences and over places here. Yeah, the the biggest problem on Maui and, and in the state of Hawaii is the lack of public land, mm-hmm. and so guys are jumping fences just to get access, and you know it's how they feed their families and everything else. So you can't blame them too much. At the same time, they're breaking the law and they're taking away from animals that our outfitter could be hunting and anything else and so it is a big problem and um it, where's the happy medium i mean the state needs to step up and, and really figure out how the community can have more diy places to go 
Yes. Yeah, it's kind of like the scenario you know you hear with with your guys hunting and and how they're trying to take the public land hunting away. You know, in, in certain areas, as far as what I've heard, you know, kind of through the media and stuff. Yes. You know, and how you guys are trying to protect it. I mean, well, over here, it's kind of the opposite. We don't have that much because it's mostly all private. So these little sections that we have hardly hold anything because you know either guys have over hunted it or um, they're just there isn't that many animals in these areas. So, yeah, but like Robin said, the state really needs to, to, to feed up, you know, our, our local hunters some better places. To, you know, and it's not like animals. they don't have the land with animals on They They do have the land, and there's there's animals everywhere on the side, and they need to be controlled. Hopefully the state figures that well, out. Well, in, in the poaching where they're trying to feed their families and and crossing a fence isn't as big a deal as the guys that are trying to shoot giant bucks and, and post them on yeah, social you're, media. You're, you're absolutely right, and, and that's a whole other component to it. And I, I'm trying to be politically correct as I speak. Yes. But, yes, you, you can definitely get frustrated when you see five bucks lined up from a poacher and you know exactly where that came from. Yes, oh, for sure. So frustrating. Now, you, well, you guys got a got an awesome place to hunt and uh, awesome critters to hunt. Um, I'm just so humbled by those axis deer and how wily they are and how challenging they are. And, and, and you guys just took me to such a good spot with a lot of opportunity to where I had enough opportunity to where I could screw up and miss one here, there, and still get one. But, uh, but, but really cool and really fun hunting and, and fun to learn from you guys hunting through that stuff. Thanks, man. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, compare them a lot to your guys elk hunting you know they're a herd animal a lot of the times they're in herds of 20 up to 100 or 200 of them you know so you know trying to get say you're you know trophy hunting and trying to get through all those eyeballs and ears to get that trophy you know, good luck you know yeah <laughs> it's, it's, well and i well and i got the best case scenario best conditions like uh i got it as good as it gets we're the middle of the rut um, the grass height was perfect. Like there's so much that goes in to, to having good conditions out here that, that I could come out and hunt for a week and, and not kill an axis deer. But the, the grass was right. You guys took me to really good spots. There are good deer populations in. They were rutting really hard. Like we just got perfect conditions. Yeah. I mean, for, for me to go out yesterday morning, I pretty much knew I was going to shoot a buck. That is wild. I, I, I mean, going out with you, I, I mentally had it in my head I was going to, and it was it was based on what I've seen for three days beforehand. Yes. Well, and you harvest a lot of animals. You've done really good, and so yeah, you can follow um, you can follow Robin on uh, Maui Bow Hunter on Instagram. Uh, you got a great Instagram account. Um, but man, oh man, yeah, you have harvested some great critters. You know, uh, uh, here and 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 then going to other places. You guys go on so many good adventures. But yeah, you have you have harvested some really nice critters. I, such an appreciation for those big axis now, you know, they, they're so wild when you see some of those wide ones or really tall ones, you know, they really need to see. They're fun animals. They really are. Yeah, for sure. And you've got a lot under your belt. And then I, I saw your garage, Sean, is just full <laughs> oh, of good axis bucks. <laughs> it's a whole different level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got a bunch of good ones under your belt as yeah, well. Yeah, you, you know, it, it's, it's not even the, the buck part of it, it's the meat part of it. Yes, you know, is, is what really gets. You know, it was it, the buck part of it. Yeah, now right, it's right, the meat right. Part of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so the evolution of a bow hunter. It, it really is. I mean, I, I started off, um, 
you know, rifle hunting. I had a shoulder injury. I couldn't really pull back a bow great so um i started rifle hunting and you know after shooting a few bucks you know it i started passing on bucks and i started thinking look i want these nice genetic bucks to grow to be real big bucks later on so i pass on deer pass on deer and i was was thinking in the back of my head like all these deer i'd pass on if i had a bow in my hand it'd be game on you know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. trying to sneak up that added extra you know 50 yards or so to get on them then i started bow hunting and I'll tell you what, that first year of bow hunting was the most frustrating year of my whole life. Like, it, I had so much hard luck trying to land these deer with a bow. I mean, just unfortunate. You know what I mean? Just tumbling, just, isn't it? Oh, yeah. A I bow. Think, I think so I told tough. you my story. I went yeah. out, first five minutes, I shot a doe with a bow. Like, what? why did I get rid of my rifle for this thing? I didn't shoot another deer for six months after that. (laughs) I don't know how many hunts. So, you know. 50 hunts. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so challenging Mm -hmm. when you pick up a bow and trying to execute those shots on them and those stocks. And and you were saying, like, uh, you you had such good, you had really good deer spots where you had an abundance of deer. and, And I thought, well, that really makes you good. You get to stock a bunch of deer. But you were saying, well, the opposite at first, because I knew I could find another deer over the next hill. So I'd, I wouldn't crawl in and I wouldn't take the extra time to stalk in. And so I'd blow them because I knew I could find another deer over the next it, hill. It definitely but, made me a worse hunter for a period of time. Yes. And then I could appreciate the original stock and figure out, I know what I'm looking at. That's the animal I want to kill. I need to go in after that animal and, and change my mentality. But you're okay. right. It, it, it's a different mentality than what you have on the mainland. Is You get one stock and that's it. You can crawl over the next hill and get another stock. Yes. Well, and it is. It's an evolution of a hunter and and, and of of your gear. And it's it's just uh, that progression, like going from a rifle to a bow and, and finding that next challenge. Yeah. That, that, yep. that next thing. I mean, uh, uh, and, and like you say, you, you guys both hunted with a rifle for a little bit. And pretty soon you were looking for something else and something more yeah. out of the experience. And, and then we it's, both got recurved. But, but the only thing was... I oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I've got one too. <laughs> the only thing was when I switched to bow hunting, I starved for almost a year. Yeah. When, when your family survives <laughs> off of deer meat. And <laughs> I, I think it was last year I told my wife, we're not buying meat. We're only going to eat what I harvest. And that's a lot of pressure, first of all. <laughs> yes. But as Sean said, he starved his first year. <laughs> <laughs> At least I was good enough when yeah. I decided to make the switch. But yeah. the meat is everything to us. It really is. I mean, it saves us a lot of money. Um, yes. It feeds a lot of families. You know, it's not just us consuming it. It's, we give it away to a lot of friends. Um, we trade for fish. Um, it's, just, it's just a great uh, you know, way to a lot of people um, on the island yeah and hopefully the food tank here coming out yeah that's yeah, awesome that would be just amazing yeah really incredible. and you guys have such a respect for the animals and the landscape and and uh so cool to see but yeah every time i'd see a deer sean would look at me and goes i, I need the meat yeah. <laughs> you know, well, shoot, but- yeah i was running low so you know <laughs> thank god that you guys came through you know after you got i don't know but 
22 of them on the ground. Or whatever <laughs> <it was laughs> you know, the pressure was off. I knew I was eating good. <laughs> he didn't show up for the butchering party last night. <laughs> well, he had his own butchering oh, party. Right. He right. butchered three last night on his own. Oh, man. Yeah. But, no. yeah, you did miss the party last night. I had just a good time, you know, not picking up my boat, really. I mean, I yeah. I just love hunting with other people, and, and it, it just it really fulfills me as far as watching people, um, you know, harvest and, you know, get the, the thrill out of it, you know, and, and then be able to take it home and process it and eat, it and eat their family. And it's it's amazing. All, all the kids that I've know feed our venison too absolutely love it my two and a half year old just eats that stuff he doesn't even eat steak he doesn't like steak he's like on deer meat <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah my, my even too yeah. yeah oh nice yeah that's what it's all about and yeah. and today at the beach i uh, your, your young kid was eating jerky the, the yeah. kids really, when you take care of a lot of your nieces and nephews or help out with them and, and you have a big family but yeah everybody was, was eating um, your jerky today your famous recipe but yeah you, they were giving them little, you were giving them little tiny pieces and he was loving it yeah <laughs> yeah it's so cool yeah that that is what it's all about and, and you guys you shoot a, a lot of does to help control the populations, and, and, and the bucks are a bonus, and they're fun to hunt. They, they've got racks, but you're right. The, the venison is never got one. the venison in the freezer, you know, and now it's, okay, it's game on. Yep. You know, now you can really go out there and search for that, that big boy. Yeah, well, and I, you know, I, I love hunting big bucks and big bulls, but for me, too, it's all about the venison. If I don't get an elk, we don't, you know, we don't eat what, you know, we live off wild game, the same thing in the States. And if I don't get an elk, our meat doesn't make it through the winter. And so, you know, I've got to get an elk every year. So as the season winds on, you know, my standards start getting lower and lower because I know I have to fill the freezer and, you know, we've, we've got to have meat in the freezer for the winter. But yeah, it's the same thing in the States. The, the venison is everything to me. It's, um... Uh, and even even if I could just hunt does or you know I I would be totally content doing that because they are so fun to hunt you know but but there is a, like a, a little extra added adrenaline like the the bucks are like the dominant uh, part of the species or the you social know, media it's all social media. <laughs> <laughs> well it could be a little of that too but no they. Um, I don't know. You just appreciate like the the bucks are so much bigger and bulkier and and they don't then, taste as good though. Uh, well, they grind. Oh, they grind. They, you can grind them. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Forty pounds of buck burger, man. I'll take that any day. Yeah. Yeah, Seriously. for sure. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for having me out and then putting so much effort into making sure I had a great experience and my family had a great experience. It was absolutely awesome. So great to hang out with you, your family, your kids are great. Just had a good time. Friends yeah. for life. Friends for life. Yeah. Yep. Time. A lot of adventures coming up. Making yeah. memories. Hashtag. <laughs> That's your favorite hashtag, right? <laughs> if you want a lot of backlash on social media, yeah, post uh, a dead animal with making memories. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've got so many inside jokes going from the week. We've had so many good laughs. But yeah, you... You posted a buck or something on social media and, and uh, hashtag making memories. I shot a doe with my son, and it was it was the first one we've really experienced together with full stock belly crawl, and I hashtag making memories, and I just got all kinds of back. <laughs> 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 yeah, you got to watch your hashtags uh, for good sure. Good old social media. Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. So... Um, 
follow you, uh, Maui Bow Hunter, follow Robin, and then uh, uh, Salik, or how do I pronounce that? It's uh, it's Ali E C. Yeah. So S is uh for Sean, my first name. Ali is my middle name, and then C for current. Okay, I totally yeah. butchered that. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, it's Ali E C. S A L I I C. Super, yeah, yep. uh, on Instagram. So, yeah, make sure to follow these guys. Just a great group of guys and, and really great hunters. And, again, just thanks so much, guys. Thank you all, man. Thank you, Brian. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Uh, another episode. Uh, really fun sitting down with uh, Sean and Robin and, and just a great couple guys and really good hunters. I mean, when you get to hunt year-round and harvest the amount of animals they do with their bow and arrow and, and get that many stocks, you get really good at it. And so just super impressed by those guys and, and uh, great sense of humor. I mean, I really had fun throughout the entire experience and in the, the entire time hunting. And, and, and it's just a it's a different adventure on, on planet Earth. It's someplace I'd never been, animals I've never seen. I say axis deer that evolved from from dodging and avoiding tigers so uh, it was just a, a really cool experience that I'll never forget uh, so so thanks to those guys and and thanks to them too for being on the on the podcast um, I know it's putting themselves out there and and you know it's not it was the first podcast they had ever done so just appreciate them coming on and and sharing what they have over there in Hawaii that was really cool um, again, this week's podcast sponsor is Swagger Bipods. I'm so impressed with these bipods, guys. They're they're different than the old bipods that were stuck on your rifle and heavy. These are the 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 new age evolved bipod. So um, if you're in the market for steady shooting, uh, it's a bipod for you. Uh, again, we have that that code at um, Eastman's. Go to Eastman's.com. Both magazines, twenty bucks. They'll throw in another call if you guys pick up shipping and handling. The code is elevated a six one seven. So so if you're not subscribed, check out the magazine and uh, that MRS section is for subscribers only. Really, some good information on other states and and I use it to help pick my units and where I'm going to hunt and, and it it helps to not only look at bow units but also to look at at rifle units as well and and, and kind of just compile more data and and more information about hunting the West. So uh, it's a really good resource for us. So um, check that out. Uh, on eastmans.com um with that um just getting late i'm barely getting this podcast out it's 8 39 on friday and i i promised i'd get one out every week but uh this one's getting out of touch late we uh, just got back from a road trip um where i went with a uh, guy and ike eastman and brandon mason and we traveled to a few different companies and and did these podcasts i just learned a ton a ton about the gear i use and a ton about these companies and and the founders of these companies and and just a a real humbling experience and and, and for the most part it went good we recorded a, a really good podcast on the way back about scouting and and i wanted to release this one to you guys this week and I just had a little feedback um, in the audio from being plugged in the truck and the road sound, so I, I need to work on the editing, but I'll make sure to get it out on you, out to you guys because it's some great information. So I'll get out one here on scouting. Um, I just couldn't get it up to par here for, for today's release, so um, we'll be on the lookout for that. And uh, gosh, with that, um, just been busy, uh, running ragged just with work and deadlines I got going in the construction world. Um and then the you know squeezing in the Hawaii trip, uh, summer's my busiest time of year, and 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 squeezing in that was a bit much. And then going on this road trip, which 
And I'm just so fortunate to be able to go on these things and, and take time for this, but uh, now I'm playing catch-up. So you know, work this weekend and, and uh, get caught up on this project, and, and life will be back to normal before I know it. Um, really got to get running. I got good exercise there in Hawaii couple runs when I came back but um, on that road trip I didn't get any in we were just going or driving the whole time and and meeting with people and um, man I hate it when that happens I you know you got to make it a point to, uh, to set your goals and work hard towards them but but that's also something that I need to work on is is the podcast and building relationships so it's all good I just got to get out for a run tonight uh, I'm worn out worked a long day you know, 8.40, but uh, just got to get on the trail and get my runs in. And now, from here till season, it's got to be every single day uh, running and shooting my bow and really make sure I can peak for season. So, um, Blankton, Wyoming, uh, wasn't my my year to draw tags this year, but, you know, that's all right, too. You just got to be a little bit more creative in today's day and age. So, hunting some over-the-counter spots, and I got a busy season booked up. Um, so just super excited and, and ready to get scouting here. I got a, a couple other things I'm going to do. I want to do this Exos death hike that's coming up, uh, July 9th. So that'll be a good one to be part of. There's a lot of really good hunters and, and really fit guys that are going to do that. And, uh, I want to meet those guys and, and go on that hike. I think we're going to do, oh, I think it's like 40 miles or something in 24 hours and, um, I'm not sure on the elevation, six to 10,000 feet in elevation. So um, should be a good hike. Help me get in shape. Um, and then just got to squeeze my mule deer scouting in here. I got to make at least two, three trips scouting. Uh, it's a new area I'm going to um, in Idaho. And then um, also going to be scouting for Montana early season in some different places. So I'm just psyched. It's, um, you know, bear season gets over, Hawaii trip. And, and uh, boy, it's uh, not too far away now. It's a... Uh, it's what we wait for all year long, us guys, is for hunting season to be here. So now I just got to make sure I get myself ready and and uh, ready to bust the hills and, and make it happen on a big buck and a big bull and, and hopefully draw my antelope tag and, and uh, caribou in Alaska. And so I got some cool things planned, super excited for the hunting season. So you guys keep working hard towards your goals and then I'll, I'll check in with you next week.